And Stephen Pritchard, uh, of course, the big news this week is all about interest rates. And uh, so, oh, well, I mean, the kind of the big news, which was the open secret, I suppose, that the, the Reserve Bank dropped uh, interest, the cash rate, by uh, twenty-five basis points on Tuesday. So we'll probably talk a bit about that, Henry, and later on we've got um, uh, Richard Murphy from the Australian Bond Company, which which is fixed interest type investments. We'll talk about that as well. So we'll have plenty of people to talk about the interest rate drop this week. Excellent, and we'll see just what difference it might make to us and our finances as we head off for Thursday Finance with Stephen Pritchard on to a new RFM. Currencies, commodities, gold? Gold? Oh, there's no real changes. Um, gold, gold, gold was up $53 an ounce to $1,900.28 uh, cents an ounce. Uh, the copper price was down $208 a tonne to $8,373. And the Brent crude oil price was down $13.25 a barrel to $88.17. Um, the currencies, um, the A-dollar is steady at 69.69 after the interest rate cut. It actually marginally went up, which is the opposite direction to what you would expect. But anyhow, um, the Great British Pound, we're, we're 54.92 um, pence. And against the New Zealand dollar, we're $1.05. And, and the euro, we're 62.06 euro cents. Uh, there's no major changes there in the currency during the, during the week. Um, the oil and rich index, the oil and rich index was down 45.6 points on the week, which is less than 1%. So it's down to 6,443. So um, the, S&P, the S&P 500 was up was up 1.5% to 2,826. And the UK FTSE index was up uh, 2.1 to 7,220. So no, no major movements in any of those. Um, BHP was, was, was down 16 cents to $37.54. Uh, CBA was up $1.19 to $79.39. NIB uh, was down 3 cents to $6.69. But MRBs have a good run over the last, you know, Mm. Month that's up almost a dollar. So, um, and Telstra was up two cents to three dollars sixty-five. Oops. We've got the long weekend coming up, so the fuel prices were a dollar fifty a litre in Newcastle and a dollar thirty-nine in Sydney. So Newcastle was down one point eight cents, and Sydney was down ten point nine cents. Oh, so okay. all those people are driving off to the snow. We'll fill up in Sydney and then get halfway and have to fill up at some. Other place. Expensive (laughs) place on the way. Oh, they probably don't have to, Sydney. You do when you go from Newcastle, Possums Creek or some. Oh, really? Some okay. place stuck along the highway there. Um, Possum's Bush or something. Uh, and the diesel price was $1.52.2, which is up 10 cents, and $1.49.2 in Sydney, which is also up 10 cents. So, yeah, pretty okay. much as expected. To a new RFM, it is 22 past 12. Thursday, Finance and Stephen Pritchard were joined by Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. He's a senior market commentator, and who better to get to uh, commentate on what the Market's up to at the moment. Mr. Jennings, senior market commentator. How are you? I'm good. I hear I hear you're down breathing and breathing, battling the cold in uh, in Melbourne. I am, but it, it's cold, but it's dry, and it's not that windy, so um, uh, it's, it's very manageable. The winds are cure. Yeah. yeah, after the, the wild weather in Sydney earlier this week and that, that huge swell, yes. um, it was um, a bit of calm down here. Excellent. 
Mm. So the RBA, the RBA came and did as what everyone was predicting. So they lowered the cash rate. Um, the NAB and CBA passed the rates on full, but ANZ didn't. No. No, you'd think they'd have learnt from uh, from PR disasters over the Royal Commission that really and truly, this, you know, the seven basis points, was it really worth all the aggravation? Um, but yes, the RBA finally did something after almost three years of sitting on the sidelines and uh, they cut rates 25 basis points and as they say the first cut is the deepest but uh, we are expecting more cuts to come and certainly we saw some GDP numbers yesterday which weren't particularly flash either and it does feel as if the uh, the economy is slowing and the RBA will move um, but as you say, the ANZ really didn't cover themselves in glory. They did cut deposit rates, though. They did cut deposit well, rates straight by away the, by the full t- twenty-five oh. basis points, well, but they, <laughs> which was nice of them. So now you're getting really nothing. Um, but they didn't um, cut those uh, important mortgage rates. The, the, so, yeah, the deposit rates been going down in here. I mean, twelve, yeah. 12 months ago, you know, eight twelve months ago, you could have got two point eight for a like you know a twelve months TD, and now I think you're down to two point two, two point three for like it. Well, just just think yourselves lucky that you don't live in Switzerland where um, deposit rates are minus yes. um, 0.75%. So you have to pay, um, pay them for the pleasure of looking after your money, which mm. is extraordinary. So, yes. And they're not the only place around the world. German rates are also <laughs> um, negative as well. So, yep. Okay. And then Vocus, the Vocus share price went up, the Vocus share price goes down, and the private yep. equity bidder walks away. And AGL's supposed to have been looking at it. Yeah, this 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 is all the looks of a corporate runaway bride situation where um, poor old Vocus gets left standing at the altar yet again. And they had a couple of bids a few years ago, which uh, when it came to due diligence, both parties walked away. And then we had this Swedish group, EQT, that uh, lobbed a quite generous bid um, to uh, to Vocus. And they had a look at the books. At least they did it quickly. And they also joined the runaway bride um team and uh, there were then rumours that AGL had had a look at the books too looking to diversify away from their traditional energy market and and buy into a telco which seemed a bit strange but uh, anyway be that as it may but uh, it seemed that they were a much lower price so maybe we'll see them back but the the stock price has tanked of course after um, after EQT walked Um, and the problem I guess for the company is they're sort of just started a three year recovery and strategic plan to turn the company around and we don't really know why EQT walked what they saw in the books that really scared them uh, enough to uh, to walk away so that's always the big unknown with these things. Mm. So, yes, not, not good. And there's another there's another tech stock called Netcom, a small tech stock, which basically makes modems that a lot of the uh, yeah. internet providers and, and 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 what's happening here is a number of the shareholders are trying to get the bidders to walk away here. Yeah, well, I, Netcom's been an Australian um, modem provider for a long time. They do a lot of work with. Um, with the NBN as well, and they're quite big in the U.S. And they had a, a bidder in the U.S., which was uh, they went through some struggles and some travails over the years, good times and bad, um, and they sort of hit not such good times. And then a, a predator U.S. company has come along, and of course some of the shareholders are there trying to uh, to get them to walk away so that they can um, 
get the upside that they, they think is still left in the company, especially as we uh, embrace 5G, the Internet of Things, things talking to things, Alexa and everybody listening to everything we say. So um, there was a hope that they would be at the sort of the forefront of this. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how they're going to go, though. Yeah, I think the meeting's, is it on Friday or Monday? Yeah. Yeah, soon. We'll know about next week, anyhow. Um, And this was interesting in one way, is that James Becker sold 19.9% of Crown to Lawrence Ho. Yeah, well, this was a really interesting deal, of course. Um, James Packer's had his, his share of issues in the last few years and and seemed to really just want to get out of, um, well, Australia, really, mm-hmm. and certainly casinos. Um, Packer, of course, is building the new super-duper glam Crown uh, Casino in Barangaroo in Sydney. Uh, I think that's due to open in 2021, I think, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, looks pretty flash anyway. It's going up at a rate of knots. Um, and he had been approached by a company in the U.S. called Wynn Resorts, which were looking to uh, to buy um, buy into the company, buy the company, and um, they kind of, um, it got leaked, they walked away, and then, what, a month later, he, it was announced that he'd sold um, almost, well, more than half his stake in, in Crown to uh, Lawrence Ho, who was his business partner with Melco up in uh, Macau, and they're looking to expand across the Asian basin, um, not just in Sydney, but also, of course, they pick up Melbourne, and I think they've got uh, Perth too, but yep. also they're looking at the lucrative Japanese market, which is just opening up as mm-hmm. well. So, um, yeah, interesting move, certainly an interesting move from uh, Mr. Packer, who, given the price that he sold at, did seem to leave a lot of money on the table, and the deal did seem to be done um, over a beer, as yes. opposed to um, investment banks getting in and um, and brokering a trade, which, of course, they, they love to do, because then they can take a take a, um, a nice cut, but um, certainly it was it was a strange way of doing things, but... Well, I guess we've become used to um, uh, James Packer doing strange things these days. Yes. So mm. then something strange, I read, Telstra, Telstra's going to get rid of a quarter of its contractors over the next two years mm. as part of its massive cost-cutting and simplification program. So if they can get rid of 10,000 contractors, why couldn't they have got 10,000 rid of 10,000 contractors before? I don't know. It does beg the question, I, I guess... Uh, maybe the way their business is changing means that they can uh, rationalise their workforce. But of course, um, in the old days, those contractors would have worked for um, for Telstra and probably got paid a lot less. Um, but then, when you go through cost cutting, you shift the numbers off your books. Yeah. So, so you can say, "Hey, we've got rid of five thousand staff." Yes. The problem is that you then hire five thousand contractors. contractors. Yes. And and. Contractors, I know from friends of mine who are contractors for big telcos, get paid really, really well mm-hmm. and get paid far more than they would have done had they just been staffed yep. with normal entitlements. So, um, you know, Telstra's going through big transitions at the moment as it, it ramps up its 5G offering, and I'm sure listeners will have been uh, familiar with um, adverts on TV for the new Samsung 5G phone. Yep. Comes at a cost. Um, but have you got one, Henry? No. no. I, I still have an iPhone 5. Okay. Okay. So I am a long way behind the eight ball, yes. and I'm thinking of upgrading to a six. So I'm do they about, still sell six? Yeah, they do. They do. They sell them on on sort of uh, refurbished sites because at the end they're just phones. 
I know they do lots of clever stuff, but the, the incremental increase in how much clever stuff they do is not that huge every That's, every iteration. Yeah, it's like, it's like Word and Excel and these stuff, you know. Yeah, I mean, you had a few, you know, the camera might be slightly better, but, you know, I, I'd prefer to have a, a worse camera when I'm taking selfies, to be honest, because it covers up all the, yeah, well, the old right. age, the greys yeah, and the fat. Right. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want a soft focus lens, that's for sure, Stephen. <laughs> I, I don't want anything sharp and in con- contrast. Hey, we'll come back and talk about canned peaches in a minute. Thursday Finance, it is 26 to 1, and uh, Stephen Pritchard, our market update with Henry Jennings. And down at the uh, SPC peach cannery and all sorts of things, uh, Coca-Cola's decided to sell for, uh, this was a rather interesting story, they're going to sell it for 40 million, but it appears Mm. that 15 million of that's on some performance Mm. thing, and it's one-tenth what they paid for it. Yeah, and they're going to book a profit because yeah, they've written yeah. it down by so much over the years. Yeah. I think they've written it down to absolutely nothing, yeah, so um, which is a bit sad that um, SPC was written down to nothing. But uh, I guess at least they finally got out of it. It's caused them a lot of heartache. Um, I seem to remember the government was helping them with some subsidies and, and some funding to actually take take the business on. Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, it's not a great end, and hopefully the new owners will um, will do better than Coca-Cola Amateur did with it. But. Well, well, because it's not, you know, it's not quite as clear as what they're saying either. Because they they've stripped the drink business out of the SPC. All those those fruit juices mm. were all SPC products, and Coca-Cola's keeping those. But, mm. but I wonder. I'm just wondering that now that it's been written down to zero, and now we're selling it, and we're going to book a profit. Are we going to pay executive bonuses on that profit? Oh, I'm sure they will, Stephen. God. They've done a great job, haven't they? Yeah. They've managed to, to get out of something for, or out of getting out of nothing for something. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure they'll. Um, I'm sure that somewhere along the line, someone's going to do well out of that. So Alison Watkins will get another bonus for this, you reckon? Oh, I, to be honest, she has done a pretty good job-ish, given yes. that um, it's it's a pretty tough world out there for companies making sugary drinks. Yep. Um, and she has. Um, I think it's widely accepted that she has been kind of um, a, a force for good within Coca-Cola and has done a, a relatively good job given the hand she has been dealt. I mean, she hasn't done a stellar job, but she has done a, a better job than some, I think. Yeah, so China. Now, China is the opposite end of the drink market, I suppose, the infant, infant formula. China's mm. imposed um, new rules to... It's interesting. China's imposed new rules to to restrict the importation of um, foreign baby formula, but at the same time they're encouraging their own companies to go out and buy the foreign baby formulas producers. So, 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 so it seems to me they're trying to squeeze the price of the producers down so they can buy them up cheaply. Yeah, I, I guess um, you know this is all part of this ongoing trade war with um, with Donald Trump in terms of um, you know what uh, what comes in from the U.S. and you know, a lot of the the, uh, the Chinese use U.S. and European uh, infant formula. We've we've got our little uh, slice of the market there as well, but um, I think I think sixty percent of the market is still coming from the U.S. and from Europe. So clearly they're trying to push more of their um, their people to buy domestic products, which have had some problems in the past, especially with contamination. I think there was about a decade ago they had some contamination in their infant formula, yep. which caused 
um, everyone to switch to uh, A2 and Bellamy's yeah. and all those sorts of products. So it's um, yeah, it's certainly a bit of a headwind for uh, for Australian companies, and they've had some problems with regulatory approvals as well. Um, and of course, there's that all important Daigu channel as well. And with the anti sort of West sentiment, we have to be careful that we don't get caught up in that um, anti West sentiment mm. against the US and uh, suffer because of it. And Victoria has introduced a gold royalty that's going to hit Victorian gold. This this kind of came out of the blue. Yeah, just what they needed, really, wasn't it? They've they've had a bit of a renaissance in Victorian gold fields at the moment. There's been some big discoveries around the place, and uh, for for many years it was a bit of a bit of a desert in terms of uh, gold exploration and production but um yeah they've, they've whacked up the royalties on on gold which has really angered some gold companies obviously they don't like to pay more royalties so they uh, they, they thought that um, you know it may snuff out the sort of the nascent recovery that we're already seeing in the gold industry there but um yeah i guess time will tell but um it's yeah, it's not always easy, is it, when you've got these sorts of headwinds, and we've seen yeah. it with, uh, we saw it with Western Australia, actually. They tried to do a similar thing and put in uh, higher uh, royalties for uh, for their miners, iron ore miners, and uh, those sorts of things, and got huge pushback from uh, from the likes of BHP and Fortescue, obviously, who have a lot more power, perhaps, than uh, Victorian gold miners do in terms of pushback. But um, not, a, not a great move if you start changing the, uh, the landscape, moving the goalposts. And one last thing, there's always a silver lining, I suppose. The flu always. the flu season that a lot of people have been getting the flu from, um, Blakemores is now expecting to boost the sales of vitamin C as a result. <laughs> I think you're better off getting a, um, a flu jab from uh, CSL, to be honest, yep. if, you can, if you can get one. Um, they have been in short supply this season because it has been quite a, a tough flu season. I think there's been nearly 50 deaths so far this this flu season, so it's not been uh, much fun for the uh, the at risk and the elderly. I had my flu jab about a month or so ago, so I have one one every year, which is um, which is I think money well spent. Plenty of colds around though, but uh, you can't yeah. get uh, you can't get much relief from the colds. It's a virus. There's not much you can do about no. that one. Oh, well, that's right. But the flu seems the flu season seems to have started earlier too. It has started earlier. It has been good news for uh, for the funeral um, homes, oh, which have it? yeah. So um, <laughs> uh, Invocare and both uh, Invocare and Propel Funeral have been uh, talking uh, positively about the uh, the higher mortality rate helping drive profits. So I guess there is a, a, another silver lining there. Well, for, at least Blakemore's uh, is trying to cure people. <laughs> Well, they're, they're, I guess the funeral homes are doing the ultimate cure and, and yes, tucking, yes, yes. tucking loved ones away into uh, yeah. into the celestial world. I think we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I think we should. Yes. We'll talk again <laughs> next week. Yeah. Thank you, Henry Jennings, Senior Market Commentator with Marcus today and our market update. Thursday Finance, Stephen Pritchard. Time we had a look at... Uh, interest rates and bonds and just see what things are happening there with Richard Murphy from the Australian Bond Company. Hello, Richard. Hi, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. A bit cool, but anyhow, we'll get there. It seems to be warming up a bit here today. So uh, I assume you're busy with the rate cut, lots of people wanting to buy your bonds. Well, yes, that was uh, that was obviously well expected, that there would be a rate cut. First time since 2016 there was any movement, so... Long, long time coming, having some movement, but yes, it does. It does put everybody on notice. You know what's going on with the economy locally in Australia versus global economy, and you know, all around the world. I think bonds mm-hmm. are becoming very, very high priced because an awful lot of the biggest investors in the world are rushing into bonds, and 
and the industry is being cut because there's concern about global growth. So yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of advisors are now thinking an awful lot more about capital preservation where, mm-hmm. wherever they're invested, whether it's property or mm-hmm. um, obviously properties suffered a bit, um, but equities, people sitting in equities, where equities have had a pretty good run for the last um, few years, driven by very low interest rates. But now there's concern that, well, actually, maybe the equities could fall. Therefore, I need to be thinking about capital preservation hmm. overall. So um, that, that, that's why money in turn deposits keeps on going up, even though today I had a look and one of the major banks, all of their major turn deposits, you know, the six-month and one-year turn deposits, they were well below 2% now. That people yeah, they're still now, yeah, I saw. I just looked at one. I won't say which bank. Yeah, that's right. Speak in any particular bank, but one of the major, major banks had a six-month rate of one point seven five. And well, you already got over two, two six months ago, so they've already factored in the the. the yeah. Yep. Yeah. So the, the rate cuts had an, had an impact, um, and I think it's just this overall picture on. We've had ten years since the GFC of global growth. Interest rates are low across the board. QE, that American and European and Japanese experiment really has worked and it's, it's, it's saved jobs, it's kept economies going, it's pumped up the tires, but how do you get out of it? How do we, how do we now get out of it now? And if there's a downturn, you know, what will the, what will the governments do with interest rates so low? They won't have a, a high interest rate to, to lower. Yes. So there's, there's concern, there's concern about that. So that's why an awful lot more advisors we speak to are just overall thinking about how do we preserve capital, particularly for older Australians who can't really afford to have their cap- overall capital, whatever yeah. it's invested in, go down? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're coming up to retirement, you certainly don't want your, you know, the amount you've saved going down. So, an awful lot of them are just thinking about, generally speaking, de-risking across the board and looking at whether it's government bonds, term deposits, or corporate bonds, because they all mature and they're safer. At least, at least, no matter whatever the positive number is, it might be very, very low. You know, even one point seven five percent from a return deposit is better than minus ten percent from something else. Oh, that's right. Um, that's right. Yeah. You know, so, pos- positive number in the first place is good if you get capital preservation. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where an awful lot of the people that we speak to are talking about. And and traditionally, Australian investors have have been. Um, underweight in bonds compared to the rest of the world, and that's that's probably because traditionally it's been very hard to access them, and unless you've got something like um, half a million dollars, and and they they really didn't trade on the main market of the exchange, but but now they do, or a certain select ones do. So so are, are people becoming more educated about incorporating bonds in their portfolios? Do you think? Yes, bit by bit, bit by bit, they are. Um and we're part of that movement, and there's others part of that movement as well. Just explaining to people that corporate bonds are capital stable, and if you hold them, hold them until they mature, as long as the company doesn't fall over, so as long as Qantas and BHP doesn't, you know, collapse as a company, then you get paid back, and therefore they're similar in some respects to turn deposits, except you can trade them, and obviously they don't have the government guarantee. But and people are starting to think about well, it's another option in the safe bucket, safe but. Not, never very exciting, mm-hmm. but safe is good as well. You know, when you're you're thinking about not losing losing capital, so it is. You're, you're absolutely right in that we're we now actually we've dropped to last in the world of the OECD countries. That's thirty something countries, and we are last in the world in allocation of superannuation um, to bonds and self managed superannuations 
the worst has gone, less than 1% in bonds, whereas it should have an awful lot more, particularly as people get older and older. They should be thinking, gosh, I don't, I don't really want what I've saved to suddenly drop by 20 or 30% just because equities have fallen. And too many people still think, oh, yeah, some, some equities are safe. And maybe the company itself won't, you know, maybe BHP won't collapse as a company, but its share price can still fall 30%. Yep. And it could, it could cut its dividend. And in fact, has cut its dividend. And Telstra has cut its dividend. And these are realities. You have to, you know, you just have to face facts that, you know, the share price could fall and stay down for 10 years. And that could be the worst thing for you as an investor for your portfolio that's got too many equities. Um, I met a 90-year-old man and we were talking about you need to own more bonds when you're older. You own your age in bonds, which is the famous saying from the guy founded Vanguard, um, own your age in bonds. And this 90-year-old guy from Yugoslavia originally said to me, oh, I've got 90% in equities. And he's really worried that you know, his equities could fall and what's he going to do? He's not working. He relies entirely on that. So he was starting to think about getting more term deposits, maybe government bonds, maybe corporate bonds. Now that they, as you say, you can now get 50 different corporate bonds on the ASX by XTV. So you can put your money in, get your money out, get some in- income along the way. It's not very exciting, but um, it's, you know, you can get between 2 and 3%, which is better than the between 1 and 2% from the current deposit. Yeah, that's right. And, and if you hold them to maturity, even though the valuation fluctuates, if you hold them to maturity, you can, you can work out the exact return you're going to get over that period. Um, it's only when you need to sell them um, before maturity or choose to sell them before the, the maturity period that the returns um, um, are more variable. predictable. Because, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that, and that, think about that predictability. You get turned deposits are that predictable because you know the bank's going to pay you back. Government bonds are the same and, and corporate bonds are the same. But really, on the ASX, they're the only three things. Well, obviously, turn deposits, not on the ASX, but turn deposits because they mature, government bonds and corporate bonds because they mature and pay you back a known 100 bucks. Uh, then you get that pre-investment predictability that so many people need that they just want to know, that's what I'm going to get. And no, no argument about it. If I hold until that future date, then I get that exact return. And I'm happy with that because then you can plan your life against that known income. And it's not going to change unless the company, BHP or Qantas or Lendlease or whoever the yeah, bonds you bought, unless, unless they default, which you know means they've gone into liquidation, basically, which is a low risk, but it's not, it's not it's impossible. Not, that's not a, no, it's not a zero risk. It's not a zero, it's not a zero risk, yeah. but, um, and, it's obviously, and obviously they pay more than a, than a government bond because the government's not paying is even a lower risk, so they pay less. Mm-hmm. So that's really the trade-off for people yeah. to think. That's right. And then, 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 you know, people, some people have done reasonably well out of the equity markets over the last year or so, um, apart from the uh, fourth quarter of 2018. Um, so, so it's now probably a time to have a look at where your, your asset allocation or your portfolio is and see if your equities uh, are getting um, overweight and, and, yep. and roll some of exactly. those back. Just maybe pairing back a bit, thinking, gosh, do I really think equities, are they going to go up another 10% or 20%? Or is all of this noise in, in globally in the market, is, that, is, is there a risk that there's going to be a downturn? And this, this fact that the, the interest rate curves are inverted, inverted commas, you know, the, the, the lo- longer-term rates are lower than the short-term rates, which is a surefire predictor over the last 50, 60 years of oh, trouble down the line, that there could be a recession. And one of the things 
uh, people should perhaps look at as well is is their their uh, superannuation funds that give you a choice of um, uh, asset allocation models. You need to, you need to have a look at those because um, balanced doesn't always mean that fifty percent is in bonds and fifty percent is in growth assets. It can, in some cases, mean that eighty percent is in growth assets. So, so, so you need to have a look at your yeah, superannuation funds as well and exactly. un- understand where the underlying investment is and just just not go just not go from the name of the fund because. Um, Two funds with exactly the same name can have completely different investments, and and one of the, the other things is if you if you want to access some corporate bonds, there's various ways. He says the there's managed bond funds, um, there's yep. ETF or, or um, bond companies even got SMA now. I think with no with no management fee or something. Yeah, I mean, we, we've we've got an SMA. If you if you're a client of a financial planner who uses you know platforms to hold. Hold you know wrap platforms to yep. hold your holdings and SMAs are on platforms, or you can buy the bonds directly on the ASX, or you can buy fixed income ETFs or unlisted um, managed funds. The, the thing to remember, though, if you're looking the predictability we talked about with government bonds, term deposits, and corporate bonds, you lose predictability when you buy a perpetual managed fund or a perpetual ETF, meaning they they don't mature themselves. Yep. And so you actually have lost your predictability, which is, it's not, it doesn't make them bad. It just makes it a very, very different investment outcome when you can't predict um, uh, that, the outcome. That, and they're seen as a different asset class. Well, that, they're that, they're linked right. to the same thing. Especially if the underlying fund's trading the assets as well. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Richard. We'll, we'll get you back in a few weeks' time and see what's happened then. Might be another rate cut. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there's another one expected now. The futures market is, is expecting another one within a couple of months. Oh, hey. Well, thank you very much, Richard Murphy from the uh, Australian Bond Company. And that's Thursday Finance for today. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.